Welcome to Equipus Church, Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our city campus. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. This is one to three. You may have heard this if you've ever been to a wedding. I have. At least one. Okay. Um, next. If I speak the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have absolute faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and exult in the surrender of my body, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So we, to live commission, we need to cultivate our love for God and for our people. It's not something that just happens, but it's something that we have to work at. And tonight I want to talk about how um, to catch some attitudes that we might need to pull out of the ground, sift out and chuck away so that we can nurture the seed that God is planting within us. Um, because I don't know about you, but um, I don't want to get just do the thing and get to heaven and then be in front of Christ and give an account for my life and say all the things I've done. There's that verse in the Bible that that said, but Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons. And then he says, yet I don't know you. Because we we can get caught up in doing all these things, but without love or without knowing Christ, they're just things. And it's so easy that when you're planted in the church, what can start off as something that is God-inspired can quickly become routine, can quickly become something that we get caught up in. We lose the faith, but we do the thing, and, you know, it's nothing. Return to your first love. Um, So... Uh, on the, on um, media at the back, what do you call it? On production media at the back is my husband. Um, yeah, and so he, I've got a lot of slides tonight, quite a lot, there's like 30. We'll get through them really quick. But um, yeah, I've got quite a few images up here and he's just, I haven't communicated with him about what they're about. So he's just gonna have to read my mind. He does that often. Um, we're just gonna test that right now. What's for dinner tonight, Kale? KFC, but <laughs> see, he read my mind. But um, you guys all knew that as well. Obviously, that's not a secret about us that we have KFC on Sundays. Anyway, so we're going to start off um, with the story of Elijah. Um, I have three attitudes that we, I think we just need to be mindful of, that we need to catch. If we're going to be a people who live commissioned, who love God, and who love people, these are three attitudes that we need to catch before they grow before they take hold or before they strangle out all of the vision, all of the promises that we have. And then we've just got the salty attitude. All right, so the first one is, first one is, I'm the only one. (laughs) And I'm the only one. So just to exhibit this today, we're gonna start in the story of Elijah. Just to give us um, a little bit of context. So um, there's this evil queen who tries to extinguish extinguish all of the prophets. Um, Elijah hits up the king for worshiping Baal and calls um, their prophets to a showdown. Um, <laughs> so he sets up, uh, basically they set up these sacrifices and whoever's God answers by fire um, is the real God. <laughs> yeah, so basically Elijah is so confident that he um, douses his, you know, 
part of the sacrifice. There's one over there. There's one over here. Elijah douses his sacrifice in water, not once, not twice, but three times he douses a, um uh, and then it turns out that in the end, um, Elijah's sacrifice, as he calls, calls out to God, God answers by fire and it is scorched, like it's completely burned up. And then the other sacrifice is still there. He gets a bit sassy. I definitely recommend you read that one if you like a salty attitude because he's like, where's your God's now? Um, so God answers by fire and the other one does not. Um, and then everyone confesses that um, the Lord is indeed God. But then the queen decides that she wants to kill Elijah and he ends up, through a series of events, he ends up in a cave, cave hiding. Um, so I'll just read that out from the Bible here. In 1 Kings 19, verses 9 to 19, it says, There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then there was a powerful wind that shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, then came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint all these people. And um, also... I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have never bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so I wonder how many times we've been in similar situations where we've started off and we've done zealous things for the Lord. We've gone out in faith and we've spoken to people in our community. We've gone out in faith and we started an initiative, maybe in schools, maybe in our workplaces or our places of learning. Maybe we've, um, you know, taken a risk with that family member at a family event to try and open up a conversation about God. Or maybe we've been serving in church and we're, we're really enthusiastic and we've seen God move in miraculous ways, but now we feel like we're the only one. And it's like, God, where is everyone else? I'm, I'm doing this by myself. I've got no other friends. I'm the only one on the sound desk every Sunday morning. I'm the only one on the coffee team. There's no kids leaders Right, I'm the only one left. Um, and I wonder, yeah, so I wonder how many times we have a similar situation happen to us. We start off zealous for the Lord, but then we get caught up in this, like, I, I feel like I'm lonely. I feel like I'm the only one. We get intimidated, we get disheartened, we get exhausted, and we feel like the only ones. Can I encourage us tonight that when we start hearing ourselves talking like this, retreat into the presence of the Lord. Retreat into a space and, and learn to hear his voice. Learn to hear him speak and remind us and set 
remind us of his promises, remind us of who he is, set our feet back on the rock and to go again. Not and and not just in times of adversity or when things come against us, but to make that part of our daily rhythm, part of our daily um, routines, I guess, of making a, a time to retreat with God, to learn how to hear His voice, so that when we get into those moments, I'm the only one, I don't even know why I do this anymore, that we know how to hear His voice. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What a promise from God that when we retreat with Him, as we learn how to walk with Him, we start to learn His rhythms that are unforced, that um, are light and are powerful. Yeah, and so, um, and just just as a practical practical thing here. Um, no, actually, I'll move on to the next one. Point number two. Everyone say point number two. Are you ready for it? It is what it is. <laughs> One attitude to another, our second attitude to watch for is, oh, it is what it is. It is what it is. I can't do anything about it. It is what it is. No, you're powerful. Your words are powerful. You are anointed. You're appointed. You're partnered with Christ. Those who call or, on, or who believe in the Holy Spirit are called children of God. And therefore you have the same power, or you call on the name of Jesus, the same power lives in you. And therefore there is power when you speak. And just to kind of like give a little illustration to this, um, to share in marriage. So I'm married to Kayla at the back, which I mentioned before. Um, that was one of the weddings I went to in my life and heard that verse, verse at. Um, so there's many great things about Kale, as you many of you will know. As he, pardon? He goes all right. He's got a thick beard, which is good. Lots of people aspire to have a thick beard. Um, he's pretty, he's very kind and generous and loving, which is many of the reasons why I love him. But he also has numerous quirks, which many of you will know. One of them which really gets me because the cost of living has gone up and I'm like, do you not see this? Is he like drinks condiments? Like he doesn't actually, but he has so much tomato sauce on his food that it's like half of the one liter bottle that's meant to refill the bottle, but really, yeah. And so he basically drinks the tomato sauce, drinks the mayonnaise. Um, yeah, and so um, if I was to kind of be like, well, I do it, I'm like, hey, we can't just drink the tomato sauce. Like, you've got to sort this out. I talked to him about it. But it's like, it is what it is, right? Like, I'm not gonna, he's not going to change about that. He's like, I like tomato sauce. I'm not going to change. <laughs> it is what it is. But if I was to say um, it is what it is when it comes to pillars in our marriage, like, that's just, it's, it's not acceptable for us. 
We've decided that it's not acceptable that we will not talk about problems with our communication. It's not acceptable for us that we, will n- that we won't address trust issues, that if one of us stops trusting or if there's something happens that breaks that trust. It's not acceptable for us um, to uh, just keep doing or not tell the other person that when you do this, I don't feel valued. It's not, it is what it is when it comes to that because that goes to the core of us. It's a pillar of our marriage. And um, if, I, if I just say, oh, it is what it is, I will be deeply dissatisfied. It will change the way I view him and he will become deeply dissatisfied. And then that's just a downward spiral from there. Are you following me tonight? It is what it is. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but when it comes to pillars and your faith, When it comes to pillars in your relationship, we need to learn how to be a people that address those. Sift out the lies, sift out those things that cause us to think differently about another person, cause us to think differently about ourselves or towards God, and to get rid of them so that we can live a life that's full, fulfilling. It's hard work at times. Just to round up that little bit that I was talking about. It's hard work at times, but we have both made a covenant before people and before God that we are going we're in this together. There's no other option for us. And so we have to choose to address those things. It's not it is what it is for us when it comes to those things. So when it comes to a relationship with Christ, he has empowered us to effect change. We're in a union with Him as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're in a union with Him. In Luke 10, verse 19, it says, Listen carefully, I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. All authority is living within you. He has given us all authority. So when something comes against you in the natural or the spiritual, you have all authority to stand and say, this is not what it is, and start declaring the truth of God and creating the space um, around you, creating this environment of faith, of hope, of love, of peace, not of chaos, not of busyness, not of dissatisfaction, not of, you know, all those other things that you can think of. We're not powerless, but our union with Christ gives us authority. So pray. Pray into relationships, all relationships, familial, friendly, romantic, all of those things. Pray into them. Your prayer has power. Pray into statistics, the things that you hear that cause you, cause you to, your heart to grieve. Pray into them. We're not going to accept that we've got one of the highest youth suicide rates in the world. We're not going to accept that. Yeah, it's really hard to change, but we partner with Christ. We have authority and we will see change in our generation, in the generations to come. Do you have issues with your health or your mental state? There's an unbalance there. You know, like it is real. It's a real thing that you're facing, but you're not powerless. Your prayer has power. Let's hold on to the authority that Christ has given us. Things shift through prayer. Also, if there's some issue with a person, um, we're not powerless there. If we have a breakdown in relationship and communication or anything, um, things shift with communication. Is that verse up there, Matthew, you know, the communication one? There. If your brother sins against you, go and confront him privately. 
If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. All the leaders don't stand up here and tell everyone. But... um, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, regard him as you would a pagan or tax collector. Oh, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose, loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. So um, we need to learn how to communicate with people. We need to learn how to solve issues with one another, particularly in the body of Christ. There can't be disunity in here. We need to be a people that... Um, yeah, it's not it is what it is, and I'll just say, be on my side and you be on your side. We need to learn how to bring those up with one another. Be mature Christians and um, approach those issues. And doing so, we are able to cultivate the environment around us. And I have the saying, turn the soil or dig up the soil, sift out the weeds and the rocks, and nurture the seed that's within. If we're going to live commissions, we need to be a people that cultivate a love for God and a love for people. And these are two ways that we can catch those things and get rid of them. So what would that look like? Removing any absolutes from our language, except for God is the one God. (laughs) Removing any absolutes like no one or everyone. Everyone does this or no one else does this. Ah, You hear that? Ah, I've heard myself say it. Um, Or always, everyone always does this or no one ever does this or I always have to or no one, you know, things like that. We need to remove that from our language. And as soon as we start catching it, we need to learn how to go to people and go, hey, what did you mean by that? Or I always, I I am currently feeling like this when this happens so that we can be a mature people who deal with those things. Never letting anything simmer and always bringing it up. Um, not, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger, though that verse, good. Um, turning to prayer at every moment, turn to prayer, and the good or the bad, turn to prayer. Prayer is powerful when you have the authority of Christ. And creating space to listen. This morning, Hannah talked about creating space to meet with God in her worship, and God came and met her in those spaces. Are we creating space in our everyday life to meet with Christ? to retreat with him and let him speak, to retreat with him and, um, and to let him renew, to retreat with him and let him refresh. Pull out the weeds, sift out the rocks, and let this nurture the seed to grow. You're not powerless. You've got the authority to cultivate the environment around you. You still with me? All right, final attitude. Uh, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Here's a random fact for you that I read the other day. One of the newest statistics for teachers dropping out of teaching is that ap- is apathy. There's just so many people or students that they're teaching that are just apathetic. Like, oh, I don't want to do my, yeah, I don't, know. I don't need to do my work. Well, I'm going to call your parents. You can call my parents. I'm going to send you the principal. You can just call me to the principal. Just apathetic to everything. You know, consequences, good things, bad things. You know, rewards, consequences, just apathetic. We can't be people who are apathetic. We're living on mission. We're living commissioned. Um, yeah, and so just to share a story, the story of Jacob and Esau. Can someone just correct me? How do you say that? Esau? Esau. Okay, the story of Jacob and Esau. So they were twin sons. Esau, big, strong, hairy. 
He hunted and he was the oldest, so he had the birthright. Jacob came out second, holding the ankle, but not quite there. And um, not the oldest, but he could cook. Okay, so one day Esau came home from hunting. He was hungry and he hadn't prepared any other food. I don't know how their household works, but <laughs> this is a bit too early, but you guys got that. All right, so he hadn't prepared any food. Um, and he came home and he was like, oh, can I have some of that soup, Jacob, that you've prepared? And um, Jacob replied, ah, only if you give me your birthright. Now, let me explain birthright to you. Birthright was something that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. It was not only the, um, you know, the wealth that was passed on, but also all the servants, all the farms, all of the people in the family. <laughs> he was in charge of all of that with his birthright, right? And, um, and Esau, as you can see from there, he was like, you know my birthright, I'll have that bowl of soup. And in that moment, he wasn't thinking about the things to come. He was thinking about the there and now. He was hungry. He didn't want to cook. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> Every Sunday night <laughs> we get KFC. Um, yeah. um, so when th came the day that their dad was dying, so he wanted to pass on the blessing to his first son who had the birthright, and he said, go catch me some food, cook it all up, and bring it to me, and then I'll bless you. Jacob caught hold of this, cooked up the food. He was a really good cook, and took it to his father. Now, to disguise himself, because his brother was really hairy, he put hairy stuff on him. <laughs> and he put his brother's clothes on and went to his father. And then he said, oh, so what you can't see is it's got Jacob, birthright. And then his dad, his father's like, wait. It's the voice of Jacob, but, oh, wait, does that, what is that? You can't see that. It's the voice of Jacob, but it's the hands of Jacob, oh, from, of Esau. Anyway, so he ends up getting the birthright. Um, and Esau finds out, and he's mad. <laughs> Esau finds out, and he's mad. And um, there was... There was lots of um, trickery involved in that. The ma mother was involved as well. I'm, not, I'm still not entirely sure about the details of that part of the story and why. Um, there was a prophecy, but you guys can go and read that. Um, but in that, Jacob, Jacob, having the birthright, having the blessing, then becomes part of Jesus' line, who God uses to redeem all of humanity to himself. What a massive thing to lose. You know, in that... Um, so despite all of the, you know, all the background story that happens, Esau said, yeah, well, you can have the birthright. I'll have the bowl of soup. I wonder, had Esau been more aware, more alert, and not just kind of blasé about his birthright, I wonder what might have happened for him. I wonder how things may have changed for him and um, if the outcome would have been changed. So I don't know about you, but um, a couple of, well, I've been given an inheritance. <laughs> One of them we used last year at, um, at Equip Her, and uh, we got so lit in praise that everyone was jumping in the mirror. It was actually a mirror. It was, looked really beautiful, and then the mirror fell over and broke. That was my inheritance, <laughs> if you didn't know. <laughs> anyway, this is another piece of my inheritance, which I feel fits really well. Not only did I inherit the sign, but I also inherited my Nana's personality. It says, the ceiling is tidy. I'll do the rest later very accurately describes my personality. Oh, 
oh, yeah, I'll do the rest later. Don't worry about cleaning that up. Um, but also, um, I have a birthright. I'm the oldest person in my family. This is like a gen- genuine like context for me. I'm the oldest sibling in my family, and, um, and my family is Māori. Hey, Māori, a ho. <laughs> um, and with that comes a birthright. Um, I, it meant that I was able to do the kāranga, or learn how to do the kāranga, but um, I had identity issues growing up. Our whānau is Māori, we whakapapa Māori, but I was so shamed because I'm not brown. I was so shamed because I don't really know te reo and I've had to learn. I was so shamed because I turned up on the marae, keen to be a part of um, building the mana of Māori in our school, and they turned to me and said, what are you doing here, white girl? You don't belong here. I was so shamed at that time. My sister, however, is so confident. <laughs> and she was even more confident as a child. And um, they needed someone to do the karanga. And she was like, I'll do it. And they were, my dad, who knows more about this stuff, he said, you have to ask your auntie first if that's legit, like if that's okay. Because really, it should only be your sister doing it. And so we went to our auntie May, who was generations older than us, but everyone's auntie. Um, we went to our auntie mate, and she said, yes, only if your sister agrees to never do that. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm never going to do it anyway. Like, I'm not going to go onto a marae and want to do the karanga. I don't even want to, you know, because I was having these issues. Since resolved, I'm growing in who I am. I'm secure in who I am and my identity in Christ. And, um, yeah, and doing what I can to reclaim that for our whānau going forward. Anyway, but I gave it up. And recently we went back up home for a, a tangi or back to our father-in-law's marae. And we had no one to do the karanga. And something that was my birthright, something that I was able or would have been able to step into, I'd given up. In that moment, I was like, I will never have to do that. I'll never want to. I'll never want to. You can have it. You can have it. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> but then came a moment where it was like, we need someone to do that. And for me not to be able to do it, I felt shame. I felt embarrassed. We were welcomed on and everyone's like, oh, look at those people. They've got no one to speak for them. They've got no one to call for them or to answer for them. And I felt that. I felt that because of one, one moment in my past that I was only thinking about the there and now. I wonder if there's been something similar for you. Maybe not that extreme. <laughs> but there are things that we think about in the here and now that we think won't have any eternal consequence, but really they do. Really they do. And um, how do I bring that back from that? I didn't learn that. <laughs> I don't think how to link that back in. Okay, but yeah, so things we do in the here and the now that satisfy our earthly desires, that satisfy our cravings, that... Um, work towards our insecurities and that, you know, quiets those down for a little bit of time. And we think everything is all good, but then all of a sudden it catches up to us. And we realize that it has eternal consequence. But do you know that you are adopted into the inheritance of Christ? First Peter chapter 1, verses 35 says, um, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with 
great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. As you confess Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you receive salvation. But you're also, in part, receiving salvation as you live out your life until you get to heaven. And he's keeping it there for you when you go to give an account for your life. Are you still with me? Okay. So I wonder how many times we've lost track of the eternal to satisfy our temporary desires. For instance, are you called to be generous? But, um, but, but can't be bothered cooking and spend all your money on takeaways and then have no money to give other people or no money to go and get things to help out other people. That's like a, a temporary thing that satisfies our earthly desires, but we're called to be generous. We're called to bless other people. We're called to set them up. And some people even more so. And then, but we're lazy. <laughs> so we spend all our money on food and we don't have any money, so we can't be generous with that stuff anymore. Um, maybe we um, have offense that we haven't dealt with and it satisfies you to not deal with it because you have the upper hand on someone. But eternally, there's disunity. You become disconnected from lots of other things because there's an offense with someone else. Something that has um, temporary, you, you have temporary power, but it has eternal consequences because you become d disconnected, because you become detracted from things that you, maybe you were called to, together with that other person, but you're unwilling to go beyond that to seek forgiveness or to clear it up. Still with me? Maybe it's a relationship issue in your flat with your, your family members, with your partner, um, and you've just let it simmer. Maybe it's issues with lust and you've gone seeking ways to satisfy that. Maybe it's allowing your mind to wander and going, and, and then you get caught down this rabbit hole. And in that moment, it, it feels good to feel sorry for yourself. It feels terrible, but you're like, I'm feeling sorry for myself. This is good. <laughs> but it would have more eternal uh, eternal con less eternal consequence if you just caught that thought and said, no, actually, I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm anointed. I don't need to feel this about myself. Are you with me tonight? Yeah, there are eternal consequences for many of the things that we allow ourselves to. My current one is trade me. <laughs> well, you can get cheap stuff, but still look cool. Right? And the eternal consequences, I can't take any of that to heaven. No, God's not going to look at my child and be like, your child was dripped out. She looks so good. Right? No one's going to care about that. When I get to heaven, maybe now they might kind of see some consequences, but it's got no eternal effect on my life. So let's catch those things. Let's, um, if we are people who, are, who live commissions, commissioned, we need to fix our gaze on things unseen. Is that verse up there, Kayle? Um, can I have the music team up as well, please, just to wrap us up? So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Let's be a people who choose to fix our eyes on Christ. And not just, not just keep our, our sights set there, but do things to work towards getting there.
that have e- things that have eternal consequence and not, you know, menial, meaning your everyday life effects. Anyway, so to wrap it up tonight, do you feel like you're the only one? Are you tired, worn out, fed up with religion? Come to God and be filled again. Allow Him to fill you. Are you feeling like things will never change? It is what it is. Come to God, be anointed. Allow Him to show you His authority working in you. Are you just not feeling it anymore? Feelings are real, but they're not the truth. Return to God. You are a son or daughter of Christ, of the Most High. Tonight, there's a call to repentance. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's apathy. Allow yourself to set your sights on Him. Why don't you stand in this moment? At the start, I said, um, I believe that we're called to return to our first love. That many of us are doing the things, we're doing them right, but where is our heart at? And it's our heart that has the eternal consequence. It's our heart that uh, looks to eternity. Not the actions that we do, not the, you know, the clothes that we wear. Not the people we're connected to, even though it's good to be unified with them. But let's set our sights on um, the things that are unseen, that have eternal consequence. So right now, I just wanted to create a space that we could return and worship, that there would be a moment between you and Christ, where you could say, God, here's my heart, have it again. Here's my heart, I'm returning to you. Maybe you feel like the only one and God is gonna remind you, I've called you, I've chosen you, are not, here you are. I, maybe you're feeling like things will never change. It is what it is, I've got no idea. Here's my heart, God. Come and show me, breathe life again, breathe hope, breathe vision. Or are you just not feeling it? I don't even know anymore. Return to Christ, let Him fill you. When you close your eyes. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.